around you. Becoming a software developer is a never-ending journey. Some developers started coding when they were kids. Some ended up studying computer sciences. Others came from very different backgrounds. Some taught themselves programming. Others went through apprenticeship programs. A few even jumped in via boot camps. One thing is sure though, no journey is void of bumps, forks and hard decisions. Every journey is unique and full of learning that are worth telling. So let's ask developers from all around the world how they got where they are today, how they learn and how they grow. Whether you are a junior dev starting your career and learning the ropes or maybe a senior developer pushing and guiding others around you, we have something for you. Welcome to the Software Developer's Journey Podcast. Hello and welcome to Developer's Journey the podcast shining a light on developers' life from all over the world. My name is Tim Bourguignon, and today I receive Charlie Girard. Charlie is a software developer at ThoughtWorks in Sydney, Australia. She is passionate about creative coding and building interactive prototype, mixing science, art, and technology. She also spends time giving back to the community by mentoring new developers, contributing to open source projects, and speaking at events. Charlie, welcome to Dev Journey. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, what I didn't say in your bio is that you have a background in marketing and advertising and actually started your career as a digital producer, but you're still a developer nowadays. So tell us, how did you become a developer? How, where and, and how did this um, journey start? Um, yes, yeah, so I so I have a, a master's in uh, marketing and, and advertising. Um, I think even when I was um, a kid, like I was always really interested in technology, but I absolutely never saw myself um, being a developer. Like it actually never crossed my mind. Uh, and I, I think I went, um, I took the path of marketing and, and advertising because I liked the the strategy of building an advertising campaign. Um, I don't know how I feel about it now, but, um, but it's the path that I, that I took. And so I did my, my masters and I started working in, um, in advertising agencies. But I think, uh, in my role as a digital producer, it was a lot of, um, coordinating uh, other people. So it wasn't really, um, what I thought the, the job would be. And it was still really interesting. But as I was, um, basically the bridge between, the clients and my team of developer and creatives, I got to see the work that they were doing. And I started being really interested in how the developers were, were building the websites that we had to build for the campaigns. And some of the things that they were building were really interesting. And it really, um, I was really curious about it. And I started, I tried um, to kind of learn to code uh, after work. And it's actually something that is really hard to do when you already have a nine to five job. And, uh, and then you have to, try to learn um, this, um, like learn to code on the side. Like and you actually have no idea how to start. You don't even know what to Google, like what is JavaScript? Like you don't really know. Um, so I decided to 
uh, quit my my job uh, in the advertising agency to do a, a boot camp um, at General Assembly in in Sydney. Um, so it was like a twelve weeks boot camp where we learned HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um, Ruby, and a few other uh, other things. And I I loved it. Like I really loved it. And I realized at that time. Um, that I wish I had done that uh, like a while ago. Um, but still, even when I, so after I did the bootcamp, I got my job at, um, at ThoughtWorks as a software developer. And even then I was actually using the skills that I learned, um, in, in marketing and, and advertising. So I don't regret at all doing, um, like taking that path because I still, I still think that the skills that I learned are very important and I apply them, uh, every day in my job. But I stayed at ThoughtWorks um, for about two and a half years. And then for uh, more personal reasons, I had to go to um, to London. And I worked as a creative developer uh, at the New York Times uh, in London. And it was quite a different role because um, software engineer is more for like long-term um, projects that are supposed to be reliable and, and fast and really performant. Whereas my role as a creative developer um, at the New York Times was more focused on, on storytelling and bring a story to life in the browser with um, animations and, and things like that. So it was a really different role, but I'm also glad um, I did it. And then I realized London wasn't really uh, for, for me for a lot of reasons as well. Uh, so I came back to Sydney and I came back to... Um, to ThoughtWorks. So now I'm, I'm at ThoughtWorks for the second time. So I'm again, um, a software developer. So I kind of left the, the creative side, um, like more for my, my personal time. Um, and that's, that's my career so far. I don't really know where it's going to go next, but, uh, it's been pretty good so far. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, how was it to, or, or what decided you, uh, to, um, to drop your your career and start f this 12 weeks program i mean it, it cannot be a, a heated dis um, decision that you made how long did it take you to uh, to ponder this discussion this decision and, and then uh, actually um uh, do it um, I don't remember exactly, but I think it took me maybe, um, a few months because of course I had to see, um, so I had to like read more about, about the program. And I think at the time, I'm not sure that coding boot camps were really a popular thing. So it was about like four and a half years ago. So uh, I think coding boot camps started to become a thing, but it was a bit of a risk because, I didn't know if it, if I would get a job, um, in, in coding because I thought companies would only hire people from uni. So from a uni background. So it was a bit of a risk, but I think, um, of course I thought about, well, if it doesn't work out, I still have my degree, um, in, in marketing and advertising. So I would still be able to, to go back to that if, if I don't like it or if I can't find a job or if I realize that I'm not good at programming. So I think I kind of uh, thought about the pros and cons and there was, there was more pros to me or the cons were not that bad. Um, like if I, if I fail, I can still fall back and I can still find a job, but the pros would be, I could actually, um, start like a new, a whole new career. Or even if I realized that I actually, I actually don't really like it, having an understanding of coding, even as a project manager can be really helpful, uh, in advertising anyway. So I think there was not that many cons apart from the fact that maybe I, I won't find a job. Um, so it was in the end, I think I was thinking, well, it's kind of now or never because 
the more I wait, uh, maybe the more, um, like it, the harder it will be for me to be able to do that. So I think, um, maybe I was quite like privileged as well. Like I had a bit of savings and I know that in Australia, um, sometimes it's not that hard to find a job. Like the, there's not like the competition is a bit less hard than in other cities, cities like for example, Paris. Um, so I think I was privileged in that sense that I felt comfortable, um, quitting my job. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you inquire the different um, boot camps that there is um, and, and decide on this one, or how how did you find this this boot camp? Um, so I think at the time, General Assembly was maybe the the only one, uh, or at least the more more um, most popular one. Um, but I heard about them because. Uh, in the agency I was working in, uh, we had some discounts on some of the night courses. So if, um, for example, if a designer wanted to take a part-time front-end course, we had some discounts. So we could use, uh, we could use that to skill up in different areas. And, um, and then when I looked at, you know, as a project manager, can I take a part-time course in coding? So I would have had a discount, but then I realized I don't think part-time after work, uh, would be the way I would learn, uh, the, like the most because like after work, you can be quite, um, tired and also part-time. I didn't really know, you know, how much could I, could I learn like in a couple of hours or four hours a week. Um, so yeah, I learned about them through the agency and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fascinating. And, uh, how was it, how was it getting, into the workplace as a as a bootcamp alumni if I, if i may yeah you you just talked about uh, about the um comparing your, yourself uh, to um university graduates so how how was it for you to to start as a as a as a bootcamp graduate um so i think what was really good from doing the bootcamp is that you actually build, um, projects. So you build three or four projects, um, over the whole course. And it's maybe an advantage that you get over, um, students from university where it's a lot more, um, you learn a lot more of the, the theory of like computer science, like algorithms and data structures. But I feel like you don't actually build, um, that many projects that teach you the practical skills. So you, when you do a bootcamp, you obviously lack the theory part, but you can, uh, pick up new frameworks pretty quickly because you've been doing that for the, for the past 12 weeks. So I think it was an advantage for me when I joined Footworks. It's like I joined and I was pretty much ready to go. It's like I was, I was really motivated. And as having done a, like having done a bootcamp shows people that you can learn fast. And that you really want to do this. You didn't just end up in a computer science degree because you didn't really know what else to do. It's like you, everybody doing a bootcamp is a career changer. So it's a really, um, like it's a decision that you really made. Like you thought about it and you want to do this. Um, so I think it's a, it's a thing that shows company as well that you, that you are motivated and that you want to do this and that you can learn uh, fast. So I think, um, it was actually okay because I was ready to, pick up new frameworks and build things. Uh, I think the, like the more time goes, the more I realize that uh, I want to learn the, the theory as well. Um, I have actually started um, for the past six months, I've been studying um, like data structures and algorithms on, on my own time because it shows me now that I actually understand better what I'm doing if I also have um, the, the theory. 
but it's not necessary to get started, I'd say. So it was actually, um, it was actually okay. Mm -hmm. Um, on this, on this topic, do you know the imposters handbook? I think written by uh, Rob Connery and now the second band came out with uh, Scott Hanselman as well. Oh, you, you should look into this. Um, this is exactly this. This is Rob Connery, which is now a very well-known programmer. Um, he has something like 25 years of experience uh, uh, in his back and he's really good. And he kind of um, felt bad for himself of not having a CS degree. And mm, okay. something like last year wrote this book going deep into computer science theory, going into, um, into, um, compiler theory and, and catching up on all those things he thought he should know. And this is a fascinating read. I can definitely relate. I think I still have this feeling of, um, like I should, I should know the, the theory part of things, even if I started from the practical side, because I, I think it's still really uh, important, but I, I, I probably have that feeling of like, yeah, feeling bad because I don't know these things, which is not a really good feeling. Uh, but I can totally understand, uh, how people can have that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I have basically the, the opposite view. I, I did an engineering um, degree and I, I have a master's degree uh, in, of engineering with a specialty in, uh, in computer science. And my first job uh, working for Siemens, I was um, kind of comparing myself to apprentices who were <laughs> coming out with one year of um, programming background um, trained from Siemens and basically teaching me how to program. <laughs> they were they were amazing and really the opposite view i could understand everything they were saying but i had no clue i i need i was a toddler i needed to learn everything from scratch which was kind of kind of an interesting position to be in as well but i think that's why um to me it's important to like hire different people. I think different people bring different things. And that's why I'm, I'm glad that, um, at ThoughtWorks now we do hire more people from boot camps, but we also hire people with a um, CS degree. So you have this exchange of knowledge all the time that I think is really uh, important. So in a way, it's a good thing that, um, you, you're sometimes uncomfortable for not knowing, but then you have access to the people who can actually teach you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is very, this is very important. I hadn't thought about this. We're always talking about diversity in terms of um, of origin, of um, of uh, countries of origin, etc. But I'd never considered um, that boot camp would be also a real kind of uh, of diversity. Huh? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for that. Uh, one learning <laughs> for me. <laughs> Um, okay, so so you had in this in this bootcamp um, more or less the uh, HTML5 um, stack, and then mm -hmm. Ruby as a kind yeah. of backend maybe uh, yeah. language, or maybe yeah. on on Rails with uh, yes. Did you do Rails as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what decided you then to um, go more the uh, HTML? five root than ruby oh basically i'm assuming reading or, or seeing what i read about you maybe, maybe you're still doing ruby and i'm assuming something i haven't done ruby in a very long time <laughs> okay Sorry. so i was not a streaming um so what, what decided you going in one direction over the other i think um i think i prefer front end because i like to actually have the um, 
the visual feedback of of what I'm doing. Um, I still I still like to do um, backend. I haven't done Ruby in a while, but I'm working quite a lot with Node.js. But I feel like the in front end in the front end world, um, a lot of things have changed and now the the landscape of so like in the front end you have so many different frameworks and so many different things that you have to to think about so front end is definitely something that's um like really interesting there's like so many things to learn and i think the well the main reason why i focused more on the front end was probably because i liked um i'll probably liked the visual feedback or, or the whole interaction uh, being able to um to play with the coordinates of the of the mouse or or the rotation of the device or things like that and i think the visual yeah maybe probably the visual side was what attracted me to uh, focus more on the front end but the more i look into it the more i'm interested in even um performance and accessibility or uh, 3d in the browser like all there's so many different things that i feel like i'll probably never know everything <laughs> that's unlikely that's true yeah yeah <laughs> um, but you, you just say you 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 want to play with coordinates and so uh, there there are a couple of videos on you um holding talks doing 3d magic with your mind that sounds like play <laughs> yeah do, do you want to tell us about that uh sure that that is more um the type of projects that I do on my personal time so it's absolutely not related um to my 9 to 5 job but it's also a way that I get to um play around with new technologies or that I get to explore different parts of the tech field that I don't get to work with um at work and yes yeah, so I think one of the um, biggest project, personal projects that I've been working on was to use, um, this brain sensor that you can buy online. And I built, uh, a JavaScript framework to be able to, um, get the data from the brain sensor and then do something in the browser with it. So all in JavaScript. Uh, when I got the sensor, I think most of the, S I think the SDKs were only in Java and C++. I think now they wrote a few, uh, like a bit more like different versions but at the time it was only java and c++ and it's something that i didn't really know like i had i understood the very basics but i didn't actually like write any java and c++ but i had to i had to do it um to be able to um build my node.js framework um so it's probably a very poorly written c++ but it works uh what i was really interested in doing is being able to get the the data in in javascript so that now uh, JavaScript developers and uh, well, front-end developers can actually also uh, build um, experiences based on neurotechnology. Uh, so it's something that I find uh, really interesting, and it's also where you could see well whether whether web can actually go in the future, being able to control an interface with your thoughts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. so for, for for the listeners who haven't seen this yet, um, you should Google um, Charlie's name, and I think it's mind control with JavaScript. So yeah. basically, you have you have some kind of spider on your head, uh, which are uh, <laughs> a lot of sensors uh, hooking to your yes. to your uh, to your brain, I, I assume, yes. and and capturing um, impulses or something like this. 
Yes, so it's the um, so the it's electrical signals coming from uh, the neurons firing in your brain, and you can track that. Uh, each sensor can actually um, track uh, different signals, and then uh, there there is it is using machine learning in the background, I assume, but it's part of the software that is kind of like it's not that part is not open source, so you don't have access to what machine algorithm they're using. But it's basically getting data from all the sensors, running it into an algorithm, and then trying to uh, predict what you're actually thinking about based on what you have trained um, the the software uh, on before. Mm -hmm. So on stage, you were um, uh, shrinking and and moving a cube, I think it was? Yeah, I had a few different uh, demos because with the sensor, you can track different things. So I had... um, One of the things that you can track is uh, facial expressions with the sensors that are closer to um, to the, the front of the face. And I was um, trying to spell a word with the movement of my eyes. So I had an interface of a keyboard and I was trying to uh, move my eyes right and left to move the cursor and uh, blinking would select a letter. So I wanted to try and show that with devices like this, you could actually help people uh, with certain diseases to actually be able to to communicate um, maybe faster than with the current devices that are available. And the second demo I had was more uh, with the thoughts. So no uh, facial expression involved, just the thoughts. And it was about trying to navigate um, 3D world in the browser by just thinking right and left. Uh, it didn't always work. I think I should have trained uh, the algorithm a few more times. But also in an environment like a live demo in front of people, it's quite hard to focus on only the thought of right and left because what's going in my mind is like if it doesn't work everybody's going to laugh at me and <laughs> so it's a bit it's a bit hard it works a lot better when i'm just by myself in a room uh but yeah, it's fun <laughs> yeah it sounds like it but i have to ask how did you come up with this idea of of going into into brain sensors um well it definitely didn't start like that um but when i It actually started very quickly after I finished my bootcamp. Um, I think when you, I don't know about other people, but when I, when I started to code in the bootcamp and I realized, um, that it's amazing to be able to write a few lines of code and, and just build something and see it in the browser. I think it kind of triggered something where, um, I had a lot of ideas of things that I wanted to create. I never thought of myself as a creative person before that, um, like at all. But as soon as I saw that I was able to build something, um, I had a lot of random ideas. And this is where I I already started um, seeing that you could do 3D in the browser. And then the more I was doing research about what was possible um, with code, I kind of started discovering um, that you could build things for hardware in JavaScript. So you could build your own little um, robots and um, like usually with Arduino or Raspberry Pi. And once I discovered that, then it like I kind of went into the rabbit hole of looking at different components and trying to learn more about um, about about that stuff. And so I started building little interactive projects or discovering things like um, conductive ink, where you could draw a poster with conductive ink and when you touch it you could trigger sound or visuals or things like that and i kind of really discovered um that 
you could buy sometimes a device in the shops and there would be a JavaScript framework available on GitHub for it. And I would be able to control little robots like a ball that would move, uh, that would move around a room that would be controlled, uh, from the web on your desktop. Um, or, and then I, I think I focused more on, um, motion control. So I started with a device like the Leap Motion that tracks your hand. And there were JavaScript frameworks available for that as well. Then I moved to the um, Mayo armband. That's like an armband that you wear on your arm and it senses um, the um, activity of the muscles in your arm. And you can uh, use that to to do a few different things as well. There, there is a JavaScript framework for it. So you could, then it's like up to your imagination what you can build, but you could control the robot with your with the movement of your arm or an interface. And I think the more I was looking into um, into these kind of devices, um, I started looking into into brain sensors. I didn't start with the one um, that I used for my talks. I started with a more simple one. But I think once you once you start to discover that you can actually build things with brainwaves and JavaScript, then it's like I couldn't like ignore. I couldn't stop. I like I had to look at if there was other devices available and what was possible. Um, so now I even bought. Uh, a new one uh, that's the open dci that has like more sensors and everything is open source so you really build whatever you want but i haven't had the time um to to really play with it yet because the device is quite big um and for work i often have to travel so i can't really take it with me otherwise i don't have space for anything else <laughs> um but yeah it's like i can't wait to actually you know uh be at home for a little bit not have to to travel and and focus on that but i think it's what is a bit harder with that one is that as everything is open source, you have total control of what you're building, but then it means you really need um, to have a bit more knowledge in ma- uh, machine learning because uh, you get all this data from the brain from the brain tensor, but if you want to make sense of it, you have to um, play around with different algorithms and try to see what exactly are you trying to train it for. And I think now it's entering the a space that I'm not quite familiar with. Um, I know the basics of machine learning, but not enough to be that comfortable. So in a way it's awesome. It's, it's like I, um, I get to learn or I get to play around with technology um, that I don't know by finding a project that I really want to work on. <laughs> I have to, I have to dig into there. Um, how do you get how do you, how do you get uh, i'm i'm fascinated by the by the meta level how, how do you get into learning a new thing uh, do you, do you have a recipe do you, do you, do you dig, um um uh pull your pull your um pull your sleeves and just get into it and 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 um come back a few weeks later with uh, i got it now how, how do you, okay. <laughs> i wish how, how do you do that <laughs> um i think I, so I've, I'm often trying to also, uh, think about how I learn, uh, how, how do I work myself, you know? Um, and I think I realized that I, I have to find an idea that I'm personally uh, excited about. So for example, if I want to learn about uh, machine learning, you can find a lot of beginner tutorials on how to uh, recognize, um, handwritten letters or handwritten numbers in images. Like there's a classic data set that you can download and there's a lot of tutorials on how to do that. 
And um, it's great, but I feel like this is not what is going to um, keep me excited in the long run. So usually I try to, if I understand a little bit what the technology can do, I then try to think, um, okay, so what, uh, if I could recognize like anything, if I could train machine learning algorithms to, to recognize things, what would I want to recognize? So it could be, for example, um, movements. Like I, I'm quite, um, interested in, for example, um, your phone has, um, sensors already and you can get, uh, motion, uh, you can get the gyroscope and accelerometer data in JavaScript. So what I wanted to be able to do is, for example, um, you open a browser um, in on your phone and you get the the data in, in JavaScript of the position and rotation of your phone and you could train an algorithm um, to detect different movements. So if you wanted to use your phone as a uh, magic wand in like Harry Potter, you could train an algorithm to um, detect when you're doing um, the, I don't even know the spells, uh, Alohomora spell or like whatever spell, like you could actually uh, use all that data to um, train different, different movements. And maybe that's not a good example, but I actually wanted to be able to do that because I know that this is something that would uh, excite me in the long run. And then I like it, it makes it a lot easier to learn something when I really like I finish my day, you know, at 5 PM and I go home and I'm actually excited to be building this. It's like, I want to turn my phone into a magic wand. Uh, and I want, you know, AI to be able to recognize which spell I'm, I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> sounds very nerdy, but, uh, but it's, I think I learn by getting excited about something that I want to build. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. Makes sense. And, and would you would you start digging into it, or would you start um, try to find tutorials that kind of go in this direction? Or um, I think so. I think I would kind of take it apart like any other project. So I would break it into uh, different pieces. So, for example, if we take the the example of the um, wand with your phone uh well i would have to see okay how do i get the the accelerometer and javascript data in javascript okay i know how to do that so once you have that it's like um okay so i'm gonna get that data quite um quite like regularly like it's not a a one-time thing it's like it's going to be streaming all the time so is there an algorithm that does that like for example i know that some algorithms are better to uh, understand images so i'm or maybe i'm not going to do that because mine is like a motion data it's not really a fixed image of 16 by 16 pixel it's like it's a feed of data that comes all the time so maybe um i know an algorithm that's called the i think the lstm for long short long short term memory uh where it's like oh maybe i will use that because to understand movement in the phone, I can't only um, analyze the current data. I have to analyze the data that was coming a few seconds before because a movement takes a few seconds. So, oh, maybe maybe that algorithm will be better. And then I start looking um, into that, being like, okay, have, have people used algorithms with sensors before? It doesn't have to be the phone. It could be an Arduino or it could be another device that they bought online. And I think I go from, I go from there. Uh, I try to to break the problem into small pieces. And then I see if I can find something that 
is kind of similar. Um, and I think the issue is if you start um, looking into something and there's absolutely no answer <laughs> <laughs> that, that can happen uh, as well. And then you have to try and think about your problem in a, in a different way or maybe Google it a different way or, or even you, you might be the first person to, to come up with a solution. But uh, I think it is really important to um, take it like little by little. If you think about it as a whole, I think it could be quite um, discouraging because it looks like it's, you can't solve it. Um, but I think there's always a way to solve something. Fascinating. <laughs> did, did you find uh, projects that you <laughs> couldn't solve yet? Yes. Um, one of, um, I have, a, <laughs> I have a, a list of things that I really want to build. I think because I'm, so I really like to read, um, scientific papers. <laughs> it's like something I do on the side when I'm bored. Uh, no, so I, um, I think this is where I really like the mix of, um, science and, and technology. Um, sometimes I really like to see what the uh, MIT Media Lab is working on or what the uh, Disney Research Center is is working on. They always work on really exciting um, technology that sometimes uses things that I don't understand at all. Um, and one example of that was, I don't know if you've heard of um, Google Project Soli, um, where it's like a little radar sensor that can... Um, detect micro movements so instead of just being your hand uh swiping left or right you could put your hand in front of the device and do a slight uh movement with one of your finger against the other like you would rub your thumb on uh, your other finger and it would like in one direction and you would be able to put the volume up if you're going right or volume uh down if you're going left and i was reading the their paper that they published on how they built it and um they were talking about radar transformation the radar signal transformation and all these things and i'm like i really want to rebuild that project in like an easier way you know in a way that i would be able to explain um to other people but this is where i got stuck of like i think it's possible but my knowledge right now is limited in even like radar signals. Like <laughs> I don't know anything about this. I have a background in marketing, <laughs> uh, but, but it's really interesting because then it gives me like, I know that I can get there, but I think it's about finding the the time and also finding online resources that make it easy for me to understand. Because sometimes the way research paper are written, they're written in a way like, I just, how can anybody understand this except an expert in the field? I wish they were writing them in a bit of an easier way so anybody could replicate the projects that they're doing. Um, but yeah, this is where I'm hitting a spot where I have a few ideas of projects that I want to replicate from different research centers, um, but I don't have the knowledge yet to get there. Fascinating. <laughs> That's so great. Um, in your bio, you um You wrote that you are um, mixing science, art, and technology. You spoke very briefly about the connected canvas or the connected ink. Um, did you did yeah. you um, do something else in the direction of art um, that you want to talk about? Um, let me think. I think I did a few things, but there are always um, prototypes uh, because I usually I just want to 
kind of see if I can do something. And then once I do the prototype, I switch to another idea uh, because I don't really have the time to, to really finish things. But I think I was, um, one of the things I did was to mix conductive ink with uh, projection mapping as well, where um, I would have a canvas with some paint on it. And uh, when I touch the paint, there's actually a, a projection that, that goes on the canvas. So it kind of animates um, the canvas with, with projection mapping. Um, and because it's projection mapping was something that I wanted to um, learn more about. So um, uh, I did something like that, but it was really a prototype. I really didn't um, dig into it. But I think there's a few times where I played with... Um, things like Sonic Pi to make music with code mm -hmm. as well. Uh, a group of friends and I, we, um, uh, one day at, at an event, uh, we kind of, uh, made a, a band uh, that were making music with code. Uh, I don't think we were really good, but people were interested. So <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was good. You know, making people aware that you can make music with code. Mm -hmm. Um, otherwise one of my goals for this year, and I don't know if I'll have uh, the time to do it was to, try to um, host a really small um, exhibition of augmented reality art. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to see if I can print a few different um, posters and I would probably try to rent a really, really small um, gallery for like a weekend and bring, um, bring drawings or paintings to life uh, with augmented reality. So it's something that um, I think is really interesting and I like to explore that space. And then I would, uh, it would allow me also to learn more about different augmented reality tools like ARKit or ARCore or um, Unity and Vuforia, all these different um, tools. And so that's one of my goals for the year. I don't know. but It was already my goal for last year, but I didn't have the time. Um, so hopefully I'll get a bit more time this year. But it's um, I really love mixing different um, practices because you get to learn so much. Um, I feel like if you're only, only interested in, in technology, you cut yourself from learning about other things. And you also, I think we're all in that little tech bubble. Um, and I think it's really important to get out of that as well. And I think my way of getting out of that is to learn more about science and art by making things with technology. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. It, it does. It does. It does. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you said something very interesting. I would like to, to come back to, um, you said, um, about talking about your projects, um, that you said you don't have the time to finish. Um, mm -hmm. when, when do you declare a project as good enough and then move on? What's, what's, what's the feeling, um, that triggers this? Um, I think it's, so usually I have a goal in, in mind. Um, for example, uh, for example, with the brain sensor project, um, I wanted to, for, for the framework that I built, I wanted to be able to get the, um, the data for the thoughts and the data for the facial expressions. And once I got that, I tried to, um, make the framework a bit more user friendly because I want people to be able to use it. But I don't have, this is where I kind of stop and I say, I don't have the time to do this full time and to make it that much better and, or to build more demos with it. It's kind of, I feel like I, I built a demo with facial expressions and I built a demo with the thoughts to move, uh, a to move in a 3D space in the browser. And I feel like 
this is where I hit the point where uh, I'm I'm okay. We're at, we're with where it's got at. Uh, and I'm uh, ready to move on to the next brain sensor or the next um, project. So I think it's uh, once I've reached the um, the first goals that I set myself, I don't always need to uh, polish everything because then you you end up in this situation where um, it's never finished. <laughs> and the thing is, if I keep uh, if I keep working on that, then I can't work on my other ideas. Um, so I think it's I. I think I'm okay to stop something because I know I have other ideas I'm excited to work on. And also mm-hmm. uh, all everything that I do is open source. So if somebody needs it to be more polished, anybody I can actually contribute and help me make it better. Um, that's, that's what I like about open source. It's like, it's working. It's not perfect, but for now I don't have the time to really maintain it, but Hey, it's, it's open source. So if there is something that you think should be done or that you want, uh, you can either raise an issue or, or make it yourself. And, um, it's always a bit hard to know exactly when something is good enough. Um, but I think it's uh, like, you have to be uh, conscious of the time that, that you have. And I think, um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to be quite, um, productive with, with my time. And this is where I have to be, um, okay, I, I'm done with this sensor. Uh, now I have a new one. <laughs> so, and now it, it will allow me to learn more about machine learning. So I'm going to focus on that. And once I, and, and I have quite a few different projects that I'm trying to, uh, learn more about. I think I'm, um, I think that's why I'm building more, prototypes because I want to validate an idea. And once I think once I validate the idea, I'm thinking, okay, do I, do I want to really dig deeper or am I comfortable with the knowledge that I've had so far and I can move on to something else? I think this is the, that's the questions I'm asking myself when I build something. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. T- Timing is running out. Um, one last question. Okay. Have you um, already Fold yourself um, with the idea of creating a real product out of one of your prototypes, Tor- being torn between the, uh, I have so many ideas I would like to try, and this could be a business idea um, I could implement on? Um, I've been asked that, that question a few times, uh, especially about the, the brain sensor. People have asked me, Don't, are you not thinking about trying like to start a, a company? Um, I For now, um, it's not one of my goals. Uh, I'm not saying no for like later, uh, but for now it's not really my goal because I see it more as an exploration of technology. And I feel like if I turn one of my idea into a business idea, then I won't have time for the rest. I will have to focus, um, a hundred percent in, in, on that idea. And I feel like my brain doesn't really work like that. Like I like to jump from one idea to another, to another. I think that's what keeps me, um, excited and, and motivated. So maybe, um, maybe later on in my career, but I think that right now, I feel like I'm still at the beginning of my career and I want to be able to, um, explore different, uh, different paths. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, this is a question I, I often ask at the, at the end of an interview. Um, what would you wish you would have known um, either at the beginning of your, of your bootcamp or of your career or m- maybe earlier? Um, oh, I'm, I'm not actually sure about what, I, what do I wish I would have known. Um, I think maybe the importance of networking in the community 
Um, maybe that I wish I had known it before. Um, because I think, well, I, I haven't had that much like trouble with that because usually if I go to a meetup or a conference, I really like to get to know people. Um, but I think people don't always realize that, um, like getting to know other people in the industry and, and learning from them can actually open a lot of, um, a lot of opportunities. So that's one thing that I wish I had known. And also maybe more importantly, I wish I had known, um, that you're not supposed to know everything. I mean, that's, maybe that sounds like obvious, but, um, sometimes when you start in the industry, you think that, seniors and, and leads uh, know everything and they can answer any question at any time and it's quite unrealistic uh, and I think it puts quite a lot of pressure on some of the uh, junior or mid-level devs um, to feel like they have to just know everything or and if they don't then it kind of makes you feel a little bit um, bad about yourself uh, but then the more you actually talk to people and the more you see uh, people interact with each other and the more you realize that you actually don't have to uh, know everything at all you have to maybe know how to figure it out or how you would solve a problem but you don't have to know exactly how to write it like you're not stack overflow or google <laughs> <laughs> i wish that people i wish that people talked more about um the when they fail or when they don't know something i feel like we're still we're talking more about it but i feel like we're all sharing our wins but we're rarely sharing when we're failing or um or when we're feeling bad about ourselves. Like, I think we should definitely do that more. It would put a lot less pressure on people. Um, yeah. It would indeed. It would indeed. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we don't have time to get in there. We, we reached the end of the time box already. Um, okay. <laughs> I have two more questions. The first one is, where could the listeners reach out to you if they want to network or ask you questions about um, about one of your many projects, ongoing projects? Um, I'm quite active on Twitter, um, at devdevcharlie. So I try to reply, um, like my, my, uh, DMs are open. So, um, I try to, to look at the messages that I get. Sometimes it takes me a little bit of time if I'm busy, but, um, I always try to, to reply. Uh, and that's the platform I'm the most active on. Do you have something um, on your plate coming up in the next uh, weeks or months? I don't know, uh, conferences you will be at where people could uh, find you and reach out um, in real life or maybe articles or books coming up? I don't know. Um, so I have a few conferences coming up. Um, I will be at JS Heroes in uh, April and I will be at um, You Gotta Love Frontend, uh, which I think is in May if I remember well I'm actually not sure uh, and I might be I think I will be at um, Devox in London around May as well I'm pretty bad at remembering the dates <laughs> but uh, when it comes closer to the date I, I check it out uh, <laughs> but I think for now um, for now I will be at these three this year um, otherwise in terms of uh, in terms of books I always wanted to write a book but I don't think I know enough. Yeah, that's like imposter syndrome. But uh, <laughs> and um, articles. I'm I'm working on a few different personal projects, so I, I always try to write an article to share what I learn, but nothing concrete yet. Okay, cool. Well, um, it has been fantastic hearing your, hearing your story. Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you so much for having me. It was really good. 
And this has been another episode of Developer's Journey. And we'll see each other in two weeks. Bye-bye. Dear listener, if you haven't subscribed yet, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and much more. Head over to www.devjourney.info to read the show notes, find all the links mentioned during the episode, and of course, links to the podcast on all those platforms. Don't miss the next Developer's Journey story by subscribing to the podcast with the app of your choice right now. And if you like what we do, please rate the podcast, write a comment on those platforms, and promote the podcast on social media. This really helps fellow developers discover the podcast and those fantastic journeys. Thank you.